Good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful Friday morning here in Florida on the pool deck. So we will be talking about magnesium today. Dr. Stillman is getting himself in order and will be joining us shortly. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. We are talking about magnesium today and all the things magnesium and why it's important to know about magnesium, the different types of magnesium. This is obviously <clears throat> a little out of my wheelhouse. This is more of a Dr. Stillman uh, specialty. So he will be joining us here shortly. Let's see, do we got anything coming up here? Actually, Dr. Stillman has a HTMA mineral course <clears throat> that he will be teaching uh, with another practitioner. There's actually in my link tree, uh, there will be, a, and in Dr. Stillman's link tree, there will be a link to sign into a, a page about, a, a capture page about that. He'll be doing a webinar about that at the end of the month of next month, which is soon. It is almost July. Can you believe it or not? And here is Dr. Stillman joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I was just telling them about your HTMA uh, webinar slash course that you're going to be doing at the end of next month, which is what the turn is July tomorrow. Is it July tomorrow or the next day? July is tomorrow. Can you believe it? July is tomorrow. So yeah. So we're talking about magnesium today. Hey, we're talking about magnesium. If you hear so a I think, strange I th feeding noise in the background, that's the dog's tail hitting the table underneath me. Rommel, Rommel, <laughs> go lay down. <laughs> Unlike uh, other podcasts that put too much emphasis on production value, we enjoy being real and outside true. in nature with wild we animals do. that sometimes make noise. And sometimes right. power tools. Power tools, yep. You'll hear the, your yard work going on. Yeah. Um, so I, I think everybody agrees that magnesium is good for you, but what do you think the biggest mistake most people make when it comes to uh, magnesium? Yeah. So let's start by talking about what a diff what different kinds of minerals really are. So, you know, when minerals in nature never occur alone, they're too volatile or too unstable. If you throw pure sodium into water, it actually explodes, which is pretty cool. It's a neat science experiment. So magnesium ends up being complexed to usually some kind of amino acid, glycinate, threonate, um, aspartate, and that then is cleaved in the stomach with stomach acid to allow the mineral to be absorbed alone into the body. And then it gets trafficked around the body. There is some uh, idea that using different forms of these minerals uh, will change where they end up in different body compartments. So for example, three and eight is said to go to the brain. Um, glycinate glycine tends to go to connective tissue, which is muscles, bones, but also all of your, your, uh, bodies, uh, organ systems and glycine's a neurotransmitter too. So it may well go to the brain more. I looked into this literature a long time ago and couldn't really find good data on that really showed that this was a significant effect. 
So the number one mistake I think that people make with magnesium is thinking that the form is the most important uh, consideration. There's far more important considerations for magnesium. And so when we're looking at repleting any supplement or nutrient, I should say, with a supplement, and I recommend that people go read my Substack blog post on this. It's called The Rational Use of Nutritional Supplements or something like that, where I talk about how I think about supplementation. Because, you know, when I got into the functional medicine world, it became very clear very quickly that a lot of people were just putting people on supplements and then never following up with them, never taking them off supplements. And they would come to me on 10, 20, 30, 40 supplements. One of my early mentors would joke that people came to him on a suitcase full of supplements. He would then proceed to take them off the suitcase full of supplements and put them on, let's just say, a small carry-on of supplements, which is, I didn't think, really a very good upgrade. And then as I got older and trained more and learned how to do more and more with food, I was able to whittle down most of my supplement protocols to three, four, or five supplements. The other thing is that as you take supplements, you, they tend to lose their potency and their efficacy on your body. You'll all experience this if you haven't. And so what I want, and the point of this is really that you, you should have an endpoint for anything that you take. Uh, Hippocrates said the greatest medicine of all is teaching people how not to need it. You know, let's call magnesium a medicine. I don't think it's good medicine to just put everyone on magnesium and tell them to take it for the rest of time. In our modern world, for better or for worse, we have a lot of stress. We have a lot of toxic things um, uh, that we're exposed to. There's a lot of extra need for magnesium. And so, yes, people tend to need supplementation here and there along the way. But one of the big mistakes I see people making is not only do they over worry about the form of magnesium, they don't realize that they're using magnesium to paper over another problem. And they're also missing critical data on their nutritional status and their overall health by only focusing on their symptomatic relief with magnesium. So most people who have a magnesium deficiency have some combination of a low sodium intake, low potassium levels, uh, low trace elements like selenium or chromium. They may not have an adequate protein intake. They often have altered or dysfunctional macronutrient profiles in their diet. They're often not getting basic fundamental uh, things like sunlight and connection to the earth's electromagnetic field and all these other things. And the reason that I mention this is that in my practice, as I work with people over longer and longer periods of time, people had variable needs for magnesium. I would be able to replete someone in three to four months and another person I would struggle to replete them over six months or a year or two years. And it became very clear to me that this was about their stress level, their activity level, where they lived, uh, what their life circumstances were. And so before you start supplementing with anything, you have to ask yourself, how much am I losing? Which is only really, you're only able to really figure that out with lab testing. And then where am I now? Where's your level? Again, lab testing. And then how much am I going to have to take and what am I going to have to do in order to normalize this? And then beyond that, you should always be trying to fix these levels with food, which is something that I do while I'm also counseling patients on how to use supplements to do it. 
Yeah, <clears throat> I think it, it comes down to everything, really, whether right. it's like peptides or TRT or you know magnesium. And obviously, there's not as much magnesium in the food as there is there used to be. So that's that's a big part of why supplementation is often needed. But people are looking for the like this one like magic thing that's going to fix everything. And really, it's a combination of lifestyle of working on a number of things, making sure your circadian rhythms in order, making sure you're getting enough protein, making sure you're getting outside, making sure you're having some sort of balance in your life. Obviously, there's there's times in your life where you're going to have to be unbalanced, but that can't be that can't be your mo for decade after decade after decade. And people are looking for these like magic fixes. Um, and it's right. generally usually not one thing. And you, you know, you fix the magnesium, you make somebody feel a little bit better and it throws everything else off somewhere else. Right. And this is why I created the annual plans, the practice where you get quarterly check-ins with a practitioner with quarterly lab draws. You can get your magnesium level drawn very affordably. You can get other labs drawn, zinc, copper, sex hormones, you know, potassium, or sorry, magnesium and progesterone are two that, that keep very close company with one another. The symptoms of low progesterone are virtually the same as the symptoms of low magnesium. And oftentimes you'll find that people are using magnesium to treat low progesterone and they're way better off with either an over-the-counter progesterone or a bioidentical compounded version of progesterone, which I think people are needing more and more of. Uh, due to the toxic environment we live in and then due to all the non-native EMF we're being exposed to. And so again, I, I created the annual plans at the, at the practice because you get those quarterly check-ins and then you get an hour of group coaching every single month with me where I can teach you how to eat to get more magnesium, how to live to get more magnesium, how to you know create an environment where you're not losing as much magnesium and a lifestyle where you're not losing as much magnesium. All of that is really, really important because it's easy for me to just recommend supplements to people. But my goal isn't to just put everybody on the same supplement or different supplement protocols. It's to actually help people create a sustainable, healthy diet and lifestyle so that they can be well. Let's talk a little bit about the annual plans. Who who, does, who qualifies for that? So if you want an annual plan with us, uh, you either need to live in the state of Florida or New York, and they're available to you remotely. Uh, so they're all virtual. If you want to either have an in-person visit with me in a physical, uh, or if you want to have these plans available to you and you live in a state that's not California or, sorry, not Florida, New York, and we have a lot of Californians, that's why I said that, uh, then you got to fly to Florida to see me for an in-person visit once a year, and then you can have the annual program remotely uh, for the rest of the, the year. And so we've had a lot of people enroll already. They've been out for two months. Uh, in the first round of people are very happy. They're getting their first rounds of labs back. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing more of you in those programs. And again, it's it's quarterly check-ins with a nurse practitioner. It's hour-long group coaching sessions with me monthly. And then it's uh, check-ins and health coaching with our nurse and health coach, Michelle. And we don't have a direct link up to that yet. We're, we're working on putting something. We don't, but if that, you so. want to know more, go to stillmanmd.com and hit the apply for consultation and you'll get a series of emails that explain what we do, how we do it and how to book a call with somebody on the team to find out more about the annual plans. Yes. So we got a couple questions. Yes. Amy, Amy's up first. Oh, I clicked it. You clicked You're it. You're going to click it, Jim. I'm going to click it. There we go. 
All right, so magnesium glycinate seems to upset my stomach. Any suggestions on how to take uh, or other forms that may be beneficial? So that's really interesting, Amy. Glycine is a really interesting uh, uh, amino acid because it's a neurotransmitter and it's a component of bone, skeletal muscle tissue because it's, it's a collagen precursor. It's also a precursor of glutathione. And this is actually one of the things I use glycine for is to help people get rid of toxins and heavy metals because of its ability to transform or, or create glutathione. It's one reason why I love bone broth. It's one reason why I love collagen peptides. And so I, I've heard from other practitioners that they've observed that people with high heavy metal burdens are sensitive to uh, glutathione precursors, including glycinate, including glutathione itself, including uh, protein, high protein foods like animal products that are rich in the sulfur-based amino acids that create glutathione as well as glycine. So I wonder about your heavy metal burden based on that. That's all purely anecdotal and uh, expert opinion. Um, and I would also wonder about the dose you're taking and if you're taking it with food and if you drop the dose back, if that would help. And then with other forms, um, you know, I wonder if you react that way to say concentrase, which is an ionic form of magnesium. I wonder if you are eating high magnesium foods. And if the answer is you can't tolerate magnesium glycinate, then I would pivot out to a different form. Uh, something like, I mean, you could use magnesium citrate. You could use magnesium malate. You could use magnesium uh, three and eight. Um, I think all of those are a little bit more expensive. Uh, and citrate will really alkalinize the body, which it can be good. Uh, I don't really throw it around a lot because I'm wary of altering pH uh, very aggressively in people. But those would be my thoughts. Oh, and then the other thing I want people to know about magnesium is that you need adequate stomach acid in order to absorb magnesium. So people who are on a proton pump inhibitor, an H2 blocker, anything for reflux, gastroesophageal reflux disease, antacids, if you're consuming a lot of dairy, which is a very powerful buffering agent, all of these things will actually reduce your absorption of magnesium and using things like supplemental stomach acid and enzymes can really help people's absorption. So, uh, Jim, or sorry, James asks, uh, how much do you recommend every day in supplement form of magnesium citrate? So this is something that I tailor to the individual. And I don't, I do that because people have gotten into the, I would call, I would say bad habit of taking supplements without understanding where they are, uh, which is a little bit like trying to give someone directions on the road when they haven't told you where they're located, right? So yes, many people are deficient in magnesium, but many, many people coming to me on mag supplements have deficiencies of other things that they're missing and they're not deficient or terribly deficient in magnesium. And so they're arguably wasting their money on their magnesium supplements when they should be spending that money on testing to get direction to figure out what they actually need. And a lot of the time they don't need supplements to fix the deficiencies they have. You know, yeah. instead of 200 <clears throat> micrograms of selenium, it's easy to eat two or three Brazil nuts a day. Uh, so Jim, that's, or James, that's my uh, answer to that question. Yeah, I, th I think for most people, uh, instead of hyper-focusing on one thing, they should just work on improving their overall diet and lifestyle. And then if they need some some specialty help, 
um, you know, if, if you just work on eating a, a well-rounded, uh, good diet, getting outside more, taking care of yourself, that's going to check off a lot of the boxes. And then if you need additional help to pinpoint certain things, then that's where, you know, testing and things like that come in. And so on that note, <clears throat> a lot of people, I think, don't understand how often they should be testing magnesium. If I'm trying to replete it, I want to be looking at the magnesium level every quarter because it takes three to four months to gain real significant progress on fixing a low mag level. And I don't want to recheck it too often because I may, you know, I, you may not see an improvement for weeks or even a few months, but at three to four months, I want to recheck it. You can stretch that out to every six months, but I would strongly recommend not doing that. And at the same time, I'm checking a magnesium, I'm checking a vitamin D level, I'm checking potentially zinc and copper. I might look at a CMP or a CBC if there was something abnormal on those. There is a lot to be learned in routine lab testing done quarterly because it helps you to dial yourself in before you run, run into the uh, run into the wall, so to speak. I see a lot of people settling for yearly labs or no labs at all. And, you know, their wake up call is their heart attack, their stroke, their early cancer diagnosis, their sudden crippling uh, bout with chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia or something that just seems to come upon them out of the blue. And that isn't how disease works. There's always signs in the labs before someone really gets sick, or if not in the labs, then in the history that we can get, you know, when we're taking care of people. So that's why I like the quarterly lab draws that we offer at the practice with the annual plans. Well, and I think there's also, a, you know, people get into trouble because we, we have so many ways of overriding feeling terrible, you know, um, you know, whether it's stimulants or, you know, right. you have, you have people, your body's like, I don't feel good. I, I, I'm tired, right. you know, and, and they just, they keep pushing and they keep pushing and they keep pushing and they keep pushing instead of saying, well, maybe there's a reason I feel like crap, you know, um, headaches, any kind of body pain, mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, ADHD, Ner nervous system on override, and then just keep pushing right. along, right? Fatigue, uh, difficulty losing weight, diabetes, all of these things. I look for magnesium deficiency immediately in the case. Because magnesium, even if it's not deficient, will often help with these problems. And let's talk for a minute about what deficiency really is. So I always have to explain to patients when I look at the normal values for magnesium through LabCorp, which is where I do my lab testing, that the normal values are defined based on the people who are getting their magnesiums checked. And those people are not well. So you'll see magnesiums in critically ill patients who have gross overt magnesium deficiency of 1.4, 1.5, 1.6. You'll see them in the general public anywhere from 1.8 up to 2.2. And so when people say, oh, it's normal, I say you are normal for a population that has gross, gross undersupply of magnesium. So if you're comfortable being normal in a subnormal population, you know, don't take magnesium. But if you want to feel and look your best, you really need to push that magnesium into the upper, uh, upper, I, I mean, I like it over the normal reference range from LabCorp. 
And the normal reference range from LabCorp is actually very different from that of Quest, the other big nationwide uh, lab outfit. Quest's goes up, I think, to 2.6, and I don't remember the units. And LabCorp's only goes up to like 2.2 for the normal range. So I want people to be up at 2.2, 2.3, 2.4, 2.5, 2.6. Most people who are unwell coming to me for the first time don't have a level anywhere near where I want it. So most of them take magnesium. But when we fail to normalize it with supplementation over a period of months, that's as, as we do, as we try to normalize it, we start digging with the rest of the team. And we have forms and questions we ask to look for sources of stress that are creating these deficiencies. This is an area that's really been understudied, in my opinion, in the literature. You know, I've been able to find one study on how sound pollution increases magnesium losses. And it's something like 100 decibel noise exposure for four hours causes an increase in magnesium losses of like 100%. It's a very high proportion, right? And people don't think about that. I mean, 100 decibel noise is something that a construction worker is exposed to all day, potentially. It's something that someone in the music industry might be exposed to on a regular basis, somebody playing drums. I wonder if this is part of why there's such a profound uh, uh, commonality or, or prevalence of mental illness amongst musicians because well, between that, mm, the light at night, yeah. black sleep, drugs. I mean, if you're not on nutritional supplementation and you're not working with a functional medicine provider as a musician, you know, you, you're playing, you're, you're, I don't think you're going to do well. And that's just being polite. Yeah. Most have not. There's your, of course, your uh, outliers like Keith Richards and Ozzy Osbourne who have survived despite, um, massive shenanigans but you know a big part of that so, so many really so many suicides in the music industry so many or overdoses inadvertent overdoses but so many that's i think that's part of why the functional medicine communities has been historically anyway so strong out in la i mean there are so many natural integrative holistic functional medicine doctors out in california some of our most i misspoke earlier it's funny that i misspoke i, I said you know we offer our annual plans in california we don't because I'm not licensed there and my team's not licensed there, but a very significant proportion of our interest over the years has come from people in California uh, because of how strong natural and integrated medicine are out there. And I wonder if that's partly because, because uh, entertainers see the value in it because they're so broken nutritionally. Well, just lifestyle in general. <clears throat> well, but the thing is, is it's, it's, it's all connected, right? Yeah. So their nutritional yeah. deficiencies are worse because of their lifestyle and their diet. Well, I think, you know, standing on a stage at 11, 12 o'clock at night with, you know, brights, lights that are 20 right. times brighter than the sun doesn't really help much. Absolutely. It's brutal. It's incredible. Around massive electromagnetic fields from massive stacks of speakers and guitars and all that good stuff. Right. And that's an interesting point. You know, EMF have interesting effects on minerals. And I haven't seen any studies looking at EMF and uh, urinary losses of magnesium, but I'd be very curious to see them. Um, we know that stress in general depletes magnesium, but stress is such a nebulous term. I prefer to make it more, I prefer to be more clear with people about what's stressing them than, than just saying stress. <clears throat> well, I think it's time for us to wrap it up today. Thanks everyone for your questions and thanks for, for, for tuning in. 
We'll be back again on Monday. And like this one, we're going to start posting our our subjects uh, up earlier. If you have any suggestions for things you'd like us to cover, please leave them in the chat. We'll take that into consideration when we come up with new topics. So. And if you would like to apply to become a patient at the clinic, uh, follow the link below this uh, and click on the schedule a consultation link in my link tree. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.